Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series on the book of Romans with part one of this message entitled, God Guarantees Our Good. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. God guarantees our good. What is our good? Our eternal happiness. What is our good? Our eternal salvation. What is our good? Our glory. So we look to Romans 8 and verse 28. Which says, and we know that to those who love God, in all things God works for good. To those according to purpose are called. Like Psalm 23 and John 3.16, Romans 8 verse 28 is one of the most well-known verses of the Holy Bible. It speaks of the absolute certainty of our final salvation. Final salvation of a true believer in Jesus Christ. The proposition regarding our assurance made in this verse is explained further in Romans 8, 29 and 30. If you are a child of God, you are to enjoy the comfort of this scripture. God is speaking to all his suffering children. Dr. John Stott speaks of Romans 8, 28 in this manner. It has been likened to a pillow to rest our weary heads. The question is, why do God's children suffer afflictions? Why not God eliminate all sufferings in answer to our prayers? If the Holy Spirit intercedes to God the Father in behalf of us according to God's will, why do God's people still suffer? Why bad things happen to God's good people? St. Paul tells us that afflictions are salutary and profitable. God makes them work for our ultimate good. God directs all things, good and bad, to bring about God's ultimate purpose of our lives, ultimate purpose of our full salvation, our glory for God's glory. So let us consider seven things from this proposition of Romans 8 and verse 28. First, 
Joseph of old did not know why his brothers hated him, threw him into a pit, sold him to Midianite merchants for 20 shekels, who sold him as a slave to Potiphar of Egypt. He did not know why Mrs. Potiphar accused him of rape. Why he was put in prison and why the butler of Pharaoh completely forgot to help him out of the prison as promised. Certain things we do not know now, especially why certain negative things are happening to us. As we read in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. We do not know now, but we will know by and by. But we do know the ultimate things. We know we are destined for glory. We know this for sure. God will bring all his people to final and full salvation through the valley of the shadow of death. How do we know what we know? We know by faith. We know from God's propositional revelation, the Bible. We know by Holy Spirit's illumination. We know because the Bible tells me so. The children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. We know God brings good out of bad things because the Bible tells me so. So we read in 119th Psalm, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. Psalm 91 says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. Not that we feel, but we know. 
Therefore, God's people engage in serious daily Bible study to know God and his plan for our lives. He is for us and he will save us. Zechariah 12 says, whoever touches you touches the apple of God's eye. Deuteronomy 32, in the desert he shielded him and cared for him and guarded him as the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy 32, verse 9, we are the Lord's portion, his allotted inheritance. And friends, God is our portion and our inheritance. Therefore, friends, no harm will come to us ultimately because we know the scriptures and we know the ultimate reality of God saving his people. The scripture is written for our comfort. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope the Bible is given to teach us that we may have endurance comfort and hope let me ask you the question can you say we know second God works for our salvation God is great. God is good. He weaves all our experiences in this life together. Good and bad. Pain and laughter. Prosperity and adversity for the good of his children. Things do not work of themselves. This is the lie of evolutionary hypothesis. God works in all things. Romans 8.28 reads in the Greek, and we know that to those who love God. God is the subject, not all things. But even if you take all things as the subject of this proposition, we know God must work in all things. So we read, In all things God works. God works always, not once in a while. God works to bring about our good in and through all things. All happenings, all experiences in his universe and in our lives. God is always at work in our lives. He works in us moment by moment, ceaselessly, energetically, and purposefully. He never sleeps nor slumber. Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. It is against Christianity to be lazy, unprotected, flunking in the school. Living off of father and mother and the government. 
Father is working to save us. Son is working to save us. Holy Spirit is working to save us. God's holy angels are working to save us. His holy church is at work to save God's people by preaching of the gospel. And God never fails. Jesus never fails. Holy Spirit never fails. Nothing, therefore, in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God. Friends, there is no equal ultimacy of good and evil. God is almighty, all holy, and all wise. So evil cannot frustrate God's purpose to save us. All evil permitted by God is under God's control. Satan, demons, sin, and the world. Satan cannot tempt Job without God's permission. There is a hedge around us. There is a wall of fire around us. Job will not curse God. By God's grace, Job blesses God in tragedies. Why? Because God works. He works for our salvation. Number three, he works for good. Ace Agathon, unto good. God triune works for our ultimate good. Not necessarily earthly good of health, wealth, power, and fame. Let me read to you from Hebrews 11. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sold in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Or listen to St. Paul. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more... I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again five times. I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. Friends, God works for our ultimate good of conforming us to his son. He takes the nobodies of the world. Those who are powerless, sinners, ungodly, wrath-filled enemies of God. Those dead in trespasses and sins. God makes them glorious saints who praise God for his grace. He brings many sons to glory who had sinned and come short of the glory of God. He may use all measures at his disposal 
to do us good. Including throwing out of the church and given to Satan. That Satan may work on such people. 1 Corinthians 5, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan so that the flesh may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Or we are told in 1 Corinthians 11, that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep because God's judgment came upon us. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. The goal of God's work in us is good. It is our eschatological glory. It is our final salvation. The people of God, you and I, are destined to shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. Fear not, little flock. Our God is at work in us for our good. Only God is good. Jesus told the rich young ruler who worshipped money and who called him good teacher. Jesus said, no one is good. God alone is good. And he works for our good. God is good and he works good. God permits evil, but he is never the author of it. Jesus said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. God alone is good. And he gives good gifts. He works for our good, for our glory. Our good. Friends, is the goal of all God's providential dealings. Out of all things, God brings good. Look at the watch. One wheel moves in one direction, the other in the opposite direction, and yet the watch shows correct time. Look at the bread that we eat. The wheat is made into flour by crushing it. Water is added to it. Baking soda added to it. More pressure is applied by kneading it. Sugar is added and butter and so on. Then comes heat. It is baked in an oven. There comes out the good bread. So God who is good works with us through positive as well as negative experiences to bring about the good ultimate end. The arch crime of history, Professor John Murray said, was the crucifixion of the sinless Son of God. Yet through Christ's death we are saved. 
Acts 2, we read this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. And St. Paul interprets this arch crime. And he says, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised for our justification. Friends, not even one little thing in our life can ultimately work for our destruction. Everything is working and God works through everything for our good. Moses said in Deuteronomy 8, he gave you manna to eat in the desert something your fathers had never known to humble and test you so that, listen, in the end, it might go well with you. God is at work. So in the end, everything will work for our good by God's providence. Number four, in all things, in all experiences of God's people, both good and bad. The emphasis, of course, is on our sufferings of the present time. We suffer daily. We are weak. We go through thlipsis, pressure, trials, and fiery trials. Yet these sufferings cannot destroy us. They bring about the purification of our faith. They remove the filth, the dross, and impurities of our lives. They produce endurance and proven character. These trials are achieving for us eternal weight of glory. In other words, they bring about our sanctification sufferings under God's providence are our servants though they are evil in themselves. Friends, we do not court sufferings. We do not mutilate our bodies. We have nothing to do with asceticism. In all things God works. Our sufferings even our sins and our backslidings can only contribute to our final good. It can be shocking to you, but it is the truth. The prodigal came to a better knowledge of his father when he returned. Nothing can prevent God from saving us. Nor even our sins. Bishop Nigren says nothing is beyond the overruling, overriding scope of his providence. He permits terrible things to happen to us. Study the life of Joseph, Job, Jacob, Jeremiah, Jesus. And St. Paul. 
St. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12, to keep me from becoming conceited. Because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. And not only that, God even leads us into bitter experiences directly. Deuteronomy 8, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. Now the purpose, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Bishop Ryle, the great evangelical theologian of the 19th century, a contemporary of C.H. Spurgeon. In 1841, his family bank failed in one day. They didn't have anything. Everything lost. And listen to what he says. I have not the least doubt it was all for the best. If my father's affairs had prospered and I had never been ruined, my life, of course, would have been a very different one. I should have probably gone into Parliament very soon, and it is impossible to say what the effect this might have been upon my soul. I should have formed different connections and moved in an entirely different circle. I should never have been a clergyman, never have preached, written a tract or book. Perhaps I might have made shipwreck in spiritual things. So I do not mean to say at all that I wish it to have been different to what it was. All I mean to say is that I was deeply wounded by my reverses, suffered deeply under them. And I do not think I have recovered in body and mind from the effect of them. God works in all things for our good. And not only that, God withholds blessings. He turns his face away from us. He does not smile for a while. He scolds, he rebukes. And you have read recently Deuteronomy 31. On that day I will become angry with them and forsake them and I will hide my face from them. And I will certainly hide my face on that day because of all their wickedness in turning to other gods. Deuteronomy 32 verse 20. I will hide my face from them. He said and see what their end will be. You read Psalm 143 the other day, verse 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I'll be like those who go down to the pit. Thus God brings about our repentance and correction. 
friends, through many things, through the high pressure and heat of many experiences, he creates many sons of glory. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life? He is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And number five, sir, to those who love God, toys aga posin ton theon. The comfort of Romans 8 28 is limited to those who love God alone. It is limited to a minority of people, a remnant. To the vast majority of the people of the world, God does not work in all things for their good. Paul says in Romans 9, What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? To those who love God. That is the true and living God, the triune God, who has revealed himself in nature and especially in the Holy Bible. Most religious people of the world do not love God and his son, Jesus Christ. Most people of the world hate the true God. They are devil worshippers. So we read in Deuteronomy 32, they sacrifice to demons which are not God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, no, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. They worship Satan, the God of this world. This is why they do not repent and believe on Jesus Christ. They would rather believe in the lie of religious pluralism. To those friends who love God. My question is, do you love God? And listen to me carefully so that you can arrive at a conclusion. Whether you love God or do not love God. To those who love God. In the Greek text, there is emphasis here. It does not say those who believe God. To those who love God. We love God because he first loved us. God by his love transforms his enemies into lovers of God. The first commandment Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your mind. With all your soul. And with all your might. Romans 5 and verse 5 we read. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God has poured out into our hearts love by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The Holy Spirit floods our souls with love that we may love God. First Corinthians 2 
However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 3, but the man who loves God is known by God. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 22, if anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Come, Lord. Ephesians 6, 24. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an untying love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. God works in all things for the good of those who love him. That is, those who obey him. Or we could say... God works for the good of those who are being sanctified. If you believe in God, you will love God. If you love God, you will obey God with delight. This verse speaks against universalism. As taught by people like Dr. Karl Barth. He taught all will be saved in the end. All wicked people, all evil angels... And the devil himself, because God is love. This is the danger when we speak of unconditional love at the expense of the justice and holiness of God. God works in all things for the good of those who love him. We are told the devil believes that God exists. He even trembles at this very thought. But he does not love God. He is at war with God. Let me tell you, he loses. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That is hear and do. He prayed for his sheep which are father's gifts to him. He did not pray for the world. The Lord knows those who are his. The visible church, friends, he is always a mixture of people. Those who love God and those who pretend they love God. Eventually the God-haters will stop pretending and will fall away. So St. John says in 1 John 2, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Friends, what do you love? What do you love from the depth of your heart? What do you love when you are alone in your room? What do you love? What do you love with, with all your heart, soul, mind and might? The goods, the stuff of the world? Or God, the creator and redeemer, the lover of our souls? St. John tells us in First John, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, 
the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world, friends, the world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Let me ask you, Pastor John Piper said, this is how you know whether you love God. Do you desire God? Do you treasure God? Are you satisfied with God? The word love God is in the present tense. Do you love God always? Not once in a great while. Especially, friends, do you love God in your adversity? For assurance of full and final salvation. For assurance of our full, final, and glorious salvation. Belongs only to the lovers of God. Who obeys God. Because God loved them and sent his son to die on the cross for their salvation. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to love God by the love which you have flooded our soul with. As your sheep, we hear and do. Help us to obey God with delight. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, a part one of this message entitled, God Guarantees Our Good. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.